0: This guy that I've got on, I've been wanting to have him on for a good while. He and I have some mutual friends and connections on LinkedIn. But the main reason I wanted to have him on, I'm going to get a Hawaiian perspective. We've gotten all this international perspective with guests from Australia and South Africa and Canada. I wanted to get someone that had a tropical perspective. And this guy does that. He's a leader, an author, author and we're gonna get into his work, his life, his book. He's an explorer of the deeper possibilities of leadership. And that's where we're really gonna go with Brian Cunningham, who joins me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Brian, welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Brian. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you today. I wanna, I wanna drive this dialogue deep with you, so, so thanks for the opportunity.
0: Well, listen, two Brians in the same conversation, it, it cannot do anything, right? But be gold. You right. know what? Could what could go wrong? Well, you know it's going to be gold because you're here, not because I'm here. <laughs> it's it's going to be gold because you're here, Brian. I've asked a lot of people that I that I've done podcast recordings with, and again, I want to preface this by saying recording this in the middle of the COVID nineteen panic pandemic. We have done things a little different here. You know, West Virginia—it's a small state. We have about 1.8 million people, but you're on the island of Hawaii. You're in the in the 50th state, and you're 2,500, 3,000 miles away from where we are here in West Virginia. What has life been like on the island around COVID-19?
1: Uh, thanks. Thanks for that, Brian. Well, you know, first of all, I've been out here about four years, so I'm not native uh, to Hawaii. Although, you know, the aloha spirit sort of pulled me there over these many years, coming all the way from the Philadelphia area to New Mexico and then jumping out to Hawaii uh, four years ago. But th- one of the reasons uh, I got to tell you, Brian, that I'm very interested in speaking to you is that your work are, and your book and your, you know, focus on people first leadership and connection It's all about connection and the aloha spirit of Hawaii, is about fundamentally connection. So this is the thread that weaves through all of this. And and so I was pulled out here by that aloha spirit, that desire to connect further, deeper in service to others. And so then, you know, after a couple of years out here, here comes COVID. And it has hit everyone so hard. I mean, that's my real sort of sense of this thing. It's a little bit hard for me to focus on how COVID has impacted me or the work that I do or the organization that I work in without very clearly understanding the impact on the whole planet and so many people. So when I think about this pandemic and all of the additional challenges that it has put so many people through and all of the additional challenge that it has created in in people's minds and thoughts about how to deal with it uh, the the thread the theme that moves through this whole thing is connection. How can I connect further? How can I serve deeper? Even though many people around us are finding reasons to fight with it or argue about it or or deny it or overhype it, you know, there, there's all these perspectives. Yeah. But there's a thread that runs through all the middle of this, and many people see this also. This is an opportunity for further connection because that is truly the only way we get through anything. So that's why I appreciate your work, Brian. And I have a feeling we're going to keep coming back to that with any question you might have because it really is a fundamental driver of our our humanity. Well, Brian,
0: I I think what you've done there is you, and as I was taking notes there just a minute ago about what you were saying, what struck me was is a lot of times we have a very myopic view of the world. Mm -hmm. We have this view of, this is what's happening in my community, this is what's Mm -hmm. happening in my region. And then we go, okay, we, we, we start to go, here's what's happening in my house, here's what's happening in my job, here's what's happening in my family. Oh, here's what's going on in the community. Oh, here's what's going on in the region, oh, here's what's going on in the state. And then it, 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 the further away that we get from w- what truly affects us, we, we start to think less and less about the other people involved. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's the old saying out of sight, out of mind. And when you have a, yeah. and I'm, I'm doing this for the, for those watching on YouTube, when you have a myopic view, all you see is straight ahead of you. You don't see anything to the left or right. So I love what you said there, Brian, about thinking about this from a global perspective and, and a global perspective thought process, because again, and that's why I wanted to lead off with that question, because mm-hmm. I know how we're dealing with it here in West Virginia in a state of 1.8 million people, but, but I'm curious to learn. And, and I ask this question, whether I'm, I'm talking to somebody, wherever I'm talking to them, I'm genuinely interested in what's happening there because mm-hmm. I'm not physically boots on the ground. I'm not physically there. And Brian, this reminds me of, Being a kid, and I've studied history, I love history. Mm. Back in the 1960s, when when reporters were embedded with our troops in Vietnam, and here we were 8,000 miles from home, and people were talking about the war from what they could see on television Mm -hmm. or what they could hear about or read about. And, and having to try to grasp to that connection. When you talk about the aloha spirit, and for those who may not know, aloha has a double meaning. It means hello and goodbye. It has a it has a double meaning. When, when you first transplanted to Hawaii, what was the main thing about the aloha spirit that really captured you? Because I got to think that when you said that, there was really something about it that just gave you that enlightening moment of, yeah, that's, that really connects and speaks to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great one, Brian. You know, from the first time I set foot on the island, I had never been to Hawaii before until I came to interview for the position. And so as soon as you step on the island, you feel the aloha spirit. And and when I say that it's through the people, it's through the human interactions, this real sense of connection. You know, again, I'm not a native Hawaiian, uh, and, and aloha is used to acknowledge hello and goodbye, but it means something, my understanding, much deeper than that. It is the recognition of our humanness and our connection. That's what makes it so special. I think maybe because you know people are on an island, there's more of a sense of we're all in this together. I'm not sure, again, I'm not a native Hawaiian, and I would not speak for them, but there is a clear sense of connection and that we are in this together. We hear that phrase a lot, we're all in this together. We heard it through the pandemic, we're all in this together. But in Hawaii, there is a deeper sense of that. And people truly reach out to help each other from that perspective. So that's been my experience, that's my sense of the aloha spirit. It is about our true connection, our very real connection to each other, how we can help each other serve each other, make each other's lives better, a little nicer, a little kinder, it's, it's real. It's a real thing here.
0: And, and, you know, I love what you said there, Brian, because a lot of times we see these buzzwords and we see these keywords and, and we mm-hmm. use them a lot in leadership and things like that, where it's when you when you say that phrase, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we know what that means. It's almost become jingoistic, if you will. It's part of the lingo or the, the vernacular of leadership. But I love what you said there about the true Hawaiian spirit embracing the concept and what I know about native Hawaiians, a little bit that I know about them, is that when they say something, what they say truly means what is being brought out in their words. They're very much a people of, if they say it, and like my dad used to say to me, if you say it, own it. I sense that from from the little interaction that I know about Hawaiian people, they are very intentional about everything that they say, having Words having that powerful meaning behind it. When you look at, and again, I know you've only been there a short time. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that come to fruition? I, I just had a sense there that that was a moment when, when you were saying, we're in this together, and, and the, the human-to-human interaction, that you saw those words deeply and powerfully demonstrated as well as being said.
1: And, and Brian, from the simplest of things, I mean, imagine this. This might be hard to imagine, imagine being from the East Coast, right, where I'm from. When you're driving in your vehicle, everyone lets you merge in in front of them. You never have an issue getting into traffic. Everybody waves you in, throws you a shaka, lets you come in. Rarely do you ever hear a horn beep in traffic. That's considered poor form to to act like that towards another human being so even from these simplest of things the way that people reach out and greet you and shake your hand genuinely and look at you look into your eyes you, you realize that from from the get-go from day one well the
0: part of the com- the part of the country that you're from brian the hand gestures that come out the window in traffic are much different than they are in hawaii <laughs> very much
1: different. very much different brian Yes. Well, so and, even the simple yeah. things, you'll see it and feel it.
0: And again, it's it, it is a, it is a culture, of respect. Those mm. those folks have always, and I tell you where I saw this. In in in, I'm a, an avid sports guy. You and I were talking about that before we started recording. The young man who now is the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, who played at the University of Alabama is from the island of Hawaii to a Tagovailoa. Yes. He talked about when he was being recruited to the University of Alabama, he talked about his parents being completely involved in the process, Mm -hmm. almost to the point of them telling him, you're going to go to the University of Alabama. That's where we're telling you. and, And the culture of respect between children and parents, that, that there, there is a reverential respect. There is a elder and younger, and even as adult children, as I'm in my, I'm in my late forties and there's still that reverential, it it never changes no matter how the child gets. And no matter how the parent gets, there's still that culture of that's my elder. If they tell me to do something, I'm going to listen to the wisdom of the elders and things like that. And so I loved what you said about the politeness of simple interactions, even in traffic, people trying to get from one place to another. Everybody's got a place to go, but everybody is also polite and respectful when it comes to that. What was something else that was maybe that enlightening moment for you when you moved to Hawaii where you said, this is a different place. This is something I, th- I'm not used to this. The, so foreign from where I grew up.
1: Well, there's quite a few and it's very easy, easy to get used to where in one minute you weren't used to it. The next minute you're, your flow, rate. Right so into... the
0: acclimation rate is very easy oh, to pick up quickly. on there. Yeah,
1: very quickly. You know, um, you know, when I interviewed, uh, of course I had a suit on and a tie and a, and uh, I was interviewing with the board of directors and they said, one of them said towards the end, you know, if you end up coming here, that's a really nice suit you have on, uh, but we would never want to see that again. And, uh, you know, so the, the, from the dress to, you know, wearing aloha shirts, uh, it's, it's a much more relaxed, but genuinely respectful, professional atmosphere. And you bring up an important point. There's a reverence for elders in Hawaii. And that plays out across all meetings uh, and all interactions. And it really does sort of set the tone for, I, I think, maybe the way it has been historically in many cultures, honoring each generation and honoring each generation's contributions and wisdom. So even in meetings, formal meetings in workplaces or in community meetings, you see this reverence play out and you can just see, instead of people fighting for their own opinion and fighting for their own perspective, people most certainly put their perspective forward. But there is a genuine sense of, of respect, a genuine honoring of others' opinions, of others' perspectives that really pervades every meeting, every, every interaction, whether you're going to the movies and you know, before COVID in those days, yeah. right? interacting with the ticket taker. Everywhere in in line at the grocery store, it is everywhere.
0: Brian, what's the one thing that we could take away in the Lower 48, as we call it, from the Hawaiian people? Because we we have people that go there for vacations, and and it's become a very popular tourist destination for a lot of folks. But it's a but it's a literally it's a fly in for a week or two weeks, and then go back to normal. What is one thing that we here in the, in the lower 48 could take from the Hawaiian people that would make things that we do on a daily basis, both personally and professionally that much better?
1: You know, Brian, you know, you're one of the ones speaking to this and I, and I don't mean to come back to this for any other reason than it is the foundational principle and that is connection. We are all in this together. We are connected. And, you know, on the mainland, there's, you know, I spent many years there. And, of course, there's just this separation mentality and this, this sort of, you know, there's something to be said about rugged individualism and independence. But uh, in, in Hawaii and in other cultures, most certainly, this concept of interdependence is really where we come together in service to, to all. So it we're we're always going to come back to connection here, Brian. And that's what, you know, I'm sure people here would share and in other enlightened cultures. We're all in this together. We are truly connected. Whether you look at this from the Hawaiian culture or another culture or from, as you know, modern physics, we are literally, you know, at a quantum level connected. Yeah. So any illusion of separation will lead us down a trail of, Dysfunctional behaviors and impacts on each other.
0: So well, we, yeah, Brian, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. We have forgotten how to fundamentally connect with one another. And 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 I love what you said a few minutes ago. You said, you know, the the hashtags, the the alone together, and we're all yeah. in this together. And and you know, we wear a mask to protect each other, and 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 all the all the things that we've been told that will help bring us together. But yet we've still decided not to do the foundational thing that really brings us all together and that's connection. And yeah. I love what you said about the Hawaiian people because again, I, it, I think it and what I've seen from afar and I hope to get to visit Hawaii someday, is that what I see is when you when you are a visitor and you step on the, the island for the first time, from the moment your feet touch Hawaiian soil, those folks genuinely want to connect with you and make you, for however long your stay is, feel a part of their culture because it's it's so natural to them. Connection is so natural to them. And I think Brian, and I don't mean to pontificate, but I think we have forgotten how important connection really is in life here in the in the on the mainland. I, I think we I think we try to connect to gain something instead of giving something. And I see that inversely in the, in the Hawaiian people, they want to give their culture. They want to give their food. They want to give their, their hospitality, their, their environment. They want to give so that people feel like they have had an incredible time. They feel like they've had a once in a lifetime experience. So now I didn't mean to pontificate there, and, and, but your, 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 your statement just, just fostered that line of thinking for me. And I appreciate that so much. Let's step aside, take a break. I want to talk to Brian about his book. When we come back here on the intentional encourager podcast. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor SEO national SEO stands for search engine optimization. Now what's that? You might say, well, search engine optimization helps you show up higher on search engines After opening SEO National 14 years ago, let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Brian, your book, I want to talk about this, this book, The Awareness Quotient. AQ. First of all, that's brilliant. I couldn't get my, I, I had to take my, my title, people buy from people from something my dad told me 25 years ago, but you got the awareness quotient. It all starts and ends with awareness and everything in between is a function of our AQ. Please go with, where did, where did that come from for you? The awareness quotient.
1: Thanks for that one, Brian. You know, uh, as you said earlier in part of my sort of introduction, my focus has always been on these deeper possibilities of, of anything. you know, whether I was playing ball as a kid or you know in school or learning or in relationship, I want to deeply understand things so that I can do it really well. I want to be in, a, in, a, in great relationships. I want to serve exceptionally. So when I was coming up through the, the leadership development program, I started to realize very quickly that despite all of the material out there, Brian, you know, there's a thousand books out there on leadership development, and many of them are just incredible, really done well. Yeah. But, but the thread that connects them all, if we were to use a sports analogy, there are all these skills, pick a sport, football, there's all these skills in football. But you, how do you? What's the thing that links them together? What is the game plan that links them together? What is the developmental progression of skills that helps somebody to perform at their highest level? If if we're talking about sports, Brian, right? It starts at Sandlot, right? Yeah. You're in you're in tee ball if it's baseball or football. You know, it's flag football for little kids now, and there is a developmental progression of skills that build on each other. Yeah. And that is true of any sport, any game. It's true of all of any living system. Mm -hmm. Grows along a natural developmental progression. We need to crawl before we walk and walk before we run. When we go to school, you start in kindergarten and you move up. You can't jump from kindergarten to PhD work. Yeah. So the development, this concept of the developmental progression is key to all of our growth. And you see it everywhere except, Brian, in leadership.
0: Well, Brian, let me jump in there because you, you mentioned the sports analogy, and we're a month removed from the Super Bowl as we record this podcast. The thing that makes Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time is being aware on the field of everything around him. A guy like Peyton Manning, who has watched enough film that that's the greatness of a Peyton Manning is he's watched enough film so that when he gets to the line of scrimmage, the defense he's seeing, and he goes, okay, I know what they're doing here. I'm aware of this. And, and being a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I saw a quote from Joe Burrow, their rookie quarterback. And he said, we were playing the Colts and they were doing this. And I thought, okay, we had the right play called, but then their linebacker did something else. And he said, when I went back and watched the film, I know the next time that I see this, I'm going to have to do this. Because when I saw it in live action, I threw an interception. I wasn't aware as I needed to be. Yes. In leadership. And I love the the sports analogy. That speaks to me as a lifelong sports fan. What causes leaders to lose awareness of what's around them?
1: Got it. The same th- So awareness. Let me tag it on. My, the first book that I wrote is called "The Leadership Revolution," because evolution takes too long, and it is about the develop applying our awareness to the developmental progression. So you bring up Tom Brady; he has been through the developmental progression, and he is still progressing.
0: And you know, in every play, he's progressing through oh, what my. he sees on the on the field. You know, they they, they talk about quarterbacks running through their progressions. Yes. It, it, you know, the plays called for it to go to Mike Evans, who may be on the outside, but Mike Evans is double covered. Okay, my second receiver, well, there, there's a guy that's going to come in. So in my progressions, maybe the guy that's wide open is the running back standing there by himself going, there's no one around me, and and Brady gets the ball to him. So yes. I, I want to I, I, – forgive me for jumping in there, but when you said progressions – Again, those all happen very, very fast. It's why the great ones are such great decision-makers is because literally they have about two seconds in real time to get the ball where it needs to be before their pocket collapses. Yes. And they have to make those decisions very quickly. When you talk about – let's, let's step back to the, to the first book you wrote for just a second. You talked about evolution, which takes too long. And we yep. just went through that. If you wait for the progressions, yep. you're gonna get killed back there. Yep. So where do you believe the revolution is heading to next? Because everybody wants to focus on the next. So let's talk about the next. Where's the next? Where's the next progression in the leadership revolution?
1: So in order to understand the progressions, you have to immerse yourself in the developmental progression itself with your awareness it all starts and ends with awareness the model starts with that fundamental principle we are nothing without our awareness unless we can perceive stimuli in our environment we don't even exist right so it's a fundamental universal principle when we apply then apply this to the developmental progression we apply awareness everywhere but if our awareness is fleeting if it's not grounded if we don't know the drivers of our awareness, which are our int- attention and focus. If we don't understand this, we just jump from one thing to the next, one shiny object to the next. And then when, when something stressful comes into play, our awareness contracts. And then we can't see all of the available choices. When we immerse ourselves in the developmental progression of whatever it is, football with Tom Brady, leadership with the dialogues we're talking about now we can see the whole field if you don't know what the whole field is if you don't know what the check-offs are if you don't know what the progressions are when they happen in real time at high speed you will not be able to adjust quickly enough in leadership or in football and and tom brady is that example so firstly you gotta you have to immerse yourself in the developmental progression. And in football, it's well-known. And these great coaches can illuminate that. Yeah. And as the environment changes every week with the next team and the adjustments that they're making, that's the game here, right? Staying right. current with all of the possibilities that are coming. This really complex dynamic. So it is immersing yourself in that dynamic. And leadership is a similar dynamic, especially how quickly things are moving. So let me give you a taste come back to your original question.
0: Yeah, I about- I'm I'm, I'm oh, curious that about that. I'm really curious about that because in the, and I'm, let me say this as you were talking there. Here's a thought that I had. I love the analogy that you made about the awareness of the whole field. Yes. But it really doesn't it really start with down and distance? If you don't have those those basic fundamentals in place of knowing you have to know where you are on the field, what down it is, because in football, you get four downs and if you don't make 10 yards and four downs, you have to surrender the ball. Doesn't it come back to at some point leaders knowing the basics of, of where they are on the field and, and what, what is happening around them? Because there's something, and I, 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 let me go here for just a second. There's something in football called sudden change. Mm -hmm. and you know this, where the offense either turns the ball over if you're on offense, or if you're on defense, you force a turnover, and now the offense has got to get ready to go back on the field. So it's called sudden change. And and offense and defense both have to be ready to put the helmets on and go back out on the field because of sudden change. I love what you said about awareness and the importance of developmental progression, because if you're just standing on the sidelines going, ah, we got five, six minutes to – hang out and just catch our breath. At that point, you're already behind when you have to get on the field. For a leader, how important is the recognition of sudden change to the awareness around them?
1: It is vitally important. You're 100% right. It always comes back to fundamentals. And fundamentals are part and parcel to the developmental progression. As you progress beyond the fundamentals, you don't leave the fundamentals behind, you have fully integrated the fundamentals, and you add to them further expanded perspective and abilities. And, you know, to your point about sudden change, the leadership environment is very dynamic and there are no, it's like a perpetual set of downs. You know, there is no break. There's no set of, well, if we get to four downs or we score a touchdown, I get to rest. There is no rest. It's constant uh, uh, dynamic situation. So you're on the field. It's like the olden days, right? When you played uh, offense and defense and specialty teams, you're out there on the field the whole time. Coaches coach on the field. Leaders are on the field. So we are in this field of dynamic activity. And so the developmental progression Being immersed in that with full awareness allows us to see the field. It doesn't make leaders perfect or coaches perfect or Tom Brady perfect, but you're immersed in it. You can see it. You can feel it. You can understand it. You're able to connect with your teammates, the other teammates, right, the the, 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 uh, other people on the field, and Mm -hmm. move things around in a way that positions you for the best possible outcome. It doesn't guarantee anything, let's be clear yeah but it puts you in a position to be able to move with as much ease and grace in service to others and that's sort of that that the reality of being in the field on the field yeah. in leadership with full awareness but but Brian I do want to come back to your yeah please question. do please do you talked about the developmental question the uh, developmental progression I'd like to lay this out for you because people are all over the place with this and this is important let me give you an example. You'll, you will read a great book, Robert Greenleaf on Servant Leadership. And it says, you know, this is what servant leadership is, and this is what it's about, and, and it's like, wow, this is incredible stuff. And then the book says, so just do this, and then you're a servant leader. Well, everybody's read it. Everybody's read the articles. There's many, many versions of this. How come everybody's not a servant leader by now? And the answer from my perspective is, because there was not an awareness of the developmental progression. It would be like football. Yeah. Hey, do that thing that Tom Brady just did. Well, you can't just do something or just be something. Coaches, high-level coaches, leaders, mentors, have the ability to see where, meet people where they are and move them along the developmental progression whether yeah. it's sandlot football or baseball or chess or checkers or anything else. And leaders, as I said, the developmental progression is well-known everywhere else on the planet except leadership. Leaders just say, just do this, just be this. So in order to move someone along to servant leadership, let's go through the progression. It starts, and, and I built the progression from sort of modern, from a modern perspective, because that's the major impact to our leadership today and the progression tracks along the ages of our sort of human interaction. Let's yeah. start with the industrial age. There were many elements of the industrial age that we're very familiar with. It built our country and many other countries, phenomenal things. However, the predominant leadership characteristics of the industrial age were what? Right? Control, dominance, authoritarianism, right? Patriarchal approaches. You were seen and not heard in the workplace. You came, did your work, got your paycheck. You did not question authority, right? All that very well known.
0: Well, that was huh? professional sports until the 1970s when free agent when free agency got into the sports. You know, because it, was, it, it, was it everything. Yeah. yeah, in baseball, the owners had the reserve clause, and if the owner said we're going to cut your salary by five thousand dollars to play this next season, even though you, you led the league in home runs and RBIs, yes. but you're getting a little bit older and, and, you know, we're going to cut your salary back. The players had no choice. You're, you're exactly right. Even in, in a lot of things that we did through the 1970s, it was very authoritative yes. in, in demand. And, and even in leadership, it was do yes. as I say, not as I do. Yes. And so yeah, the progression, Brian, I, I want to ask you one more thing and then we'll get, it, we'll get into your story. Cause I love this and we could go two hours just on, on this particular topic, but how does a leader adjust themselves in the midst of leadership? Because again, you were talking about, we've spent a lot of time making the sports analogies, but it fits because a lot of times great coaches, great leaders know how to make the right adjustments at the right time. How does a leader have the awareness quotient internally to know when the right time is to make the right adjustment?
1: How does a leader? Good question. Well, a leader is going to operate best based on that leader's programming, based on their awareness. And uh, there's a lot of things that impact our awareness that either, that either help it to expand, right? Acceptance of reality, immersion in reality, helps to expand our awareness, but denial, resistance, fear, contracts it, so a leader is going to express their leadership based on their programming and their practice. Tom Brady practices all the time, right? You know the stories, Brian. He's there earlier than everybody Still to this day. He's there later than everybody. He is fully immersed in it, so a leader is going to express and move and guide based on their programming based on their level of awareness and immersion into the, the dynamic they're involved in. So it's going to be different for every leader. But if you're asking, what does a leader who's fully committed on the field, immersed in leadership, expanding their awareness? Well, that's a different thing. It's, it would be like, let's use Tom Brady. It's somebody who's looking at the field. Leader, leadership, what we do as leaders uh, on this journey of awakening as a human being Many leaders are stuck in, well, this is my style, or this is my approach, or this is what I read, or this is what I taught. They are all great starting points, but higher level leadership is based on none of that. Higher level leadership is based on the the direct needs of the human beings that we are working with in the context of our current environment. So it's about what is happening in the here and now, and what is the sort of arc of cause and effect of whatever we're gonna do in the moment. So you need to have the presence of mind to address the reality of the present moment and an awareness of the longer arc of cause and effect over time in alignment with the direction of your organization. So how does a leader who's on that journey to awakening, it is that full immersion into the past, present, future, full focus on the human beings we are serving in the here and now fully aware of the dynamic right what's what's the what's the cornerback doing are they doubled so all of these all of these elements of the dynamic influence the decision leaders that just say we're going to do this well you know again good place to start you know that saying uh, no no game plan no plan survives first contact right yeah. as soon as stuff starts hitting the fan it is about adjustment 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 And the only way to do that from a place of awareness is to be fully immersed, seeing the field on the field itself and making those adjustments as we go. And if something goes wrong, adjust again, adjust again, right? Coaches and players, you know, they may get a little bit frustrated in a certain play, but here comes the ball again. You know, it's time to start over. So it is that being alive in that dynamic in real time. Well,
0: and, and again, It is the, the, I love that. It is, you know, that after something, an event is over, you get 35 seconds and then you have to to do something else. It's, it's the quick turnaround of it. And so I love what you said there. Let's step aside, take a break. I would be remiss if we didn't get into your story. And that's what I wanted to talk about. We come back on the Intentional Encourager podcast here in just a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. I want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25 year sales and sales management, customer engagement and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me, and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email. And I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the intentional encourager podcast. Brian, we have had tremendous conversations and we could, like I said, we could go hours. I love this. I love the, what you're bringing to this conversation because it's so relevant, but there's gotta be a wealth of life experience behind this. And so take me far as far back as you want to go from point A to point B and kind of talk through your story of how you got from there to here. And, and we'll, I want people to get to know you and your life a little bit deeper.
1: Thanks, Brian. You know, I I truly don't think that my story is any really different than anyone else's. I hear other people's story, and my first reaction is, wow, you know, that's really incredible. And then my second reaction is, wow, that's very similar to (laughs) the other story I heard about that other person. And, hey, wait a minute it's similar to my story. So I think there, there is a thread of, of truth and thread of connection that runs through all our stories. Mine, you know, if we were to talk about it, you know, starting at an arbitrary place in the workplace in my early 20s, I started at a large hospital in Philadelphia as a parking lot attendant. And, you know, I love that job. I learned how to park real good. I, I still park real good uh, to this day, uh, Brian. But it was in a large hospital and I knew something was very different right from the beginning. People that come to you to simply park their car are coming there because, you know, somebody's sick or ill or it's the birth of a child or the transition of a, of a loved one. You know, so it's, it's a really charged environment and teamwork, helping each other is critical. It's critical. So I learned very early in this environment about connection, about teamwork, and about the real impact of it. It's not just winning a game like woohoo, we scored more points. It really does really sort of result in life and death uh, many times in healthcare. So it's a charged atmosphere to work in because of that fundamental issue. You're dealing with human beings really in some of their most challenging times. And that really impacted me along the way I was, you know, parking lot attendant, elevator operator. I used to wheel patients around this big hospital. My, my, my growth in leadership is informed by the, those early years. At the same time, you know, my, your life, my life is happening on multiple tracks at the same time. At the same time, in my early 20s, I was very interested in personal growth and spirituality and understanding these deeper elements of of who I was and why I was here. So on one track, I was doing this deep exploration of who I am as a human being, why we're all here. And so my work then was informed by this exploration. So even if I was wheeling somebody around the hospital, I was thinking about it within the context of, well, who am I? Who is this person? Why are we connecting for these few minutes? To give you know, wheel them up to X-ray or wherever. So my pathway through the workplace was informed by this understanding that there's something bigger going on here. And so as I viewed the leadership followership dynamic, even as a parking lot attendant, I, you know, I was a I was a student. You know, I'm still a student of leadership. I was watching, looking, listening, reading. You know, read a thousand books on leadership and spirituality and. And, and indigenous cultures. And so the whole journey is informed by this desire to know who I was and why I was here. And so whether I was, you know, a parking lot attendant or elevator operator, you know, same thing. I, I eventually moved into, I'm sorry, Brian.
0: No, 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 no. I was going to say, do you have a moment? Because I, I, I can, as you're taking me through this, I can in pict- I can picture those times in my mind because you've done a beautiful job of saying when I was wheeling this person to x-ray or I was yeah. interacting with this person in in fragile moments of life you know because not every everything is is jubilation right yeah. and you saw that firsthand working in a hospital environment in your early 20s what a great way to find out what life is all about. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Is there a moment that sticks out to you from a, a, maybe a brief interaction that you had with someone that, that many years later that you can recall and the impact that it had on you?
1: Yeah, there's, uh, there's actually quite a few. But, but one of my early ones, as a, we used to call ourselves transportologists as we wheeled <laughs> people around. You gave else, yourself
0: you gave yourself terminology before there was where there was relevant terminology. I yeah. love that, Brian.
1: Everybody has a cool name in healthcare. So yeah. we were transportologists. And I remember we were, you know, kind of low on that totem pole. And um, sometimes there would be, you know, there's tense issues on a patient floor. And sometimes the nurses uh, who these beautiful people who I learned so much from, but sometimes there'd be interactions and maybe they would take it out on the you know, transportation person or whatever, where were you and where, you know, and all this stuff. And I remember I was practicing and trying to look at people, you know, in, in, in new ways. And, and I would, I'd be able to be polite, even under fire, right? Even when somebody was sort of coming at me, I'd be very polite, but inside, Brian, I could feel it. Like I'd be angry and I'd, I'd carry that. And I'd, I'd think, why did that mean person? I'd, I'd you know, think things in my mind. And I remember through this practice, one day I wheeled somebody up and there was some issue going on and the nurse took it out on me. Um, And I just saw her for, for who she was, this really beautiful human being dealing with incredible challenges. And I did not have that feeling anymore, Brian. All I wanted to do was help. And I said, I completely understand. I am so sorry. What can I do to help right now? And it wasn't that I said that, Brian. It was that I had this feeling inside. I had no more resistance. I had nothing to defend anymore. And I remember walking away from that altercation thinking, oh my God, what just happened? Where did it go? Where did that knot in my chest go? Where did it go? It, it left. And, and from that point, you know, I, I just continued on this really expanded exploration of my ability to serve in really challenging moments. And as I got, you know, moved into, I was a nuclear medicine technologist. I went to school. I was an occupational therapist for many years, treating patients, working with doctors before I moved into leadership. And leadership, as you know, is a whole new world. You want to talk about, I think, one of the probably most genuine paths of human growth, it's leadership. Yeah. Nothing puts you in front of yourself like leadership, nothing puts you in the firing line. Like leadership, you are questioned every day, you know, about everything you say, do, think, act. So it is an incredible path for our awakening as a human being. And I had many further sort of experiences through that that helped me to see what we are truly here to do in service to others in leadership. So that was one back in the beginning, and there's been many.
0: No, I I love it. I love it because you and, and what you were able to do in that moment is very hard sometimes for people to do because emotions, because we're emotional, we, we're humans made up of emotions. We think, well, that person was nasty to me. The next time I see them, I'm going to blow them out of the water. They don't understand what I had to do to hustle, to get up here, yeah. and do this. And, yeah. and I love how you were able to say, you know what? I can, I can swallow this. And, and I love the, the descriptive analogy of the lump in my chest left me. Yes. That was, that's beautiful. And I can almost see it again, having a swallowing effect of, okay, I've digested it. It's gone. It's not coming back. And so, and, and, and Brian, what you just said about leadership, the almost two years I spent as a sales manager, right after that, I, I went for my MBA and it was the best leader. It was the best training and preparation for my MBA course I could have ever had. Because mm-hmm. all the things that we did in the MBA course, I was like, yeah, as a manager, this is what I did. And this yeah. is how I reacted as a leader. And, and so I love what you said there. Take me through the biggest obstacle Got it. That you faced.
1: Yeah, go, go, go. Ryan, yes. let yeah. me make one more critical point. No, please go. This go, go. ties back to awareness itself. When you mentioned what I did in the moment there with that nurse. I want to be very clear. I didn't do anything in that moment with the nurse. It was because of the work in the, the work in awareness that I was committed to at the time. And to this day, you know, as you know, there are many paths to the expansion of our heart, to the expansion of awareness, whether it's through, you know, a religious perspective or a spiritual perspective, or even a pure science with modern quantum physics. So that's the message I want to share. If we try to work on, uh, you know, our anger management, well, yeah, if we do that outside in approach, yes, we can have some movement and we can get a little better. But if we work from the inside out and do the deeper work as a human being, then in these moments, our awareness will inform our actions in a way that would not be possible for our mind to do it, right? So this is the difference. The AQ model, awareness quotient model, is about doing the deep work of awareness in parallel with whatever field you're involved in, football, leadership, whatever it is. And it is then your awareness that informs your heart, your mind, your IQ, your EQ, right? It's your AQ that informs all of this. So it's the deep work of awareness that informs all of this. It does the heavy lifting for us. I want to make that point about the awareness quotient model. It's not a step one, step two, step three. It's not do that. If somebody does this, do this. It's expand your awareness and your, your, your being and doing, your thoughts, words, and actions will be an expression of expanded awareness no matter what happens in your environment made that. that point
0: no I, i'm glad you did I, and thank you for taking us back to that because uh, again when when you understand situations around you and and i'll give you a i'll give you an example when when you come face to face with the death of a loved one Yes. You become incredibly aware of everything mm-hmm. around you. Your senses are, and the first time that I saw this was when my father-in-law passed away and my wife was busy doing and and being there for her mom and doing this and doing that. And my sister-in-law who lives now on the property site that we live on, she came to her house and I got in the car. I said, I'm, I'll be back. I told my wife, I said, I'll be back. And my sister-in-law wasn't married at the time. And I came up and I said, I just wanted to sit with you for a little bit because I could see you were pretty overwhelmed. I just want to make sure you're okay. You just lost your dad, but I just want to make sure you're okay. And we just sat for probably 30, 40 minutes and talked. And and to that point, Brian, it's just being aware of what's going on around you and, and knowing where you can meet that need. I know that you have an obstacle that you've overcome, and I just, I, I and, and I just, I, I feel like this is the right time to ask you how awareness helped you overcome an obstacle in your life, either personally or professionally.
1: Got it, Brian. You bring up such a great point, and you alluded to it earlier. Some people, Tom Brady, others have this awareness of the field. In traumatic situations, our awareness is expanded. Death of a loved one, birth of a child, our wedding, you know, all these things expand our awareness. But then our programming and right, everything around us pulls us back into our default mode. Yeah. So the key with awareness and the awareness quotient model is we don't need traumatic events to expand our awareness and remain there right? There's a, there's a clear pathway to this. People have been doing it throughout our history. We don't have to wait for or rely on the big game. In the big game, I can see the field. We can see the field in the most mundane of activities if we just understand the progression, if we understand who we are and why we're here, and just do a little practice. So the awareness, the, the, the long-standing practice of awareness has helped me through every version of whether it be a health challenge or a family challenge or the incredible challenges over this past year with covid working in healthcare i mean my heart goes out to the people whose businesses have been impacted and that's where i think the real challenges yeah. are but in healthcare right this is this is healthcare is one of the most challenging environments to work in on the planet because of the human dynamic and the complexity of human beings and the diversity of human yeah. beings and social situations. And now you overlay covid on top of that. The fear. I've never seen people as afraid. I remember when Ebola came around a couple of years ago, healthcare workers were like, you know, people were dying of course from yeah. it. And healthcare workers were that were dying, but healthcare people were just you know, yeah, okay, yeah, Ebola. Okay, we need to, you know, use our PPE and do all this stuff. No fear. Covid has created so much fear. So yeah. the the biggest opportunity the, in this past year has been to stay centered, present in awareness of everything that's going on, literally people dying right as a result of this, yeah. such fear, people losing their jobs and their houses and their insurance, Brian, right you know yeah so how to stay present in that so the biggest obstacle as complexity continues to assail us. That is the big issue with the developmental progression and why we progress. Each age expands because of the complexity that impacts us. And so the level of complexity we're dealing with these days as a leader, unparalleled. And so it's continuing to practice awareness, being pulled off and then getting recentered, that is what helped me really be able to move through this in the way that I was able to the way that then I was able to serve others in helping them remain a little bit more balanced and present and centered because the whole thing wants to come apart now, right? Yeah. The wheel is spinning and wobbling. Everything's trying to come apart. And so a leader's responsibility is to stay present and hold it together, not with force, that's not going to do it with love. Leadership is love in action. So it is to serve from that perspective and help people to stay centered and connected.
0: So good. So good, Brian. I want you, if you would, as we wrap up this conversation again, so good. A lot of, lot of takeaways. Leave the audience with your biggest piece of intentional encouragement.
1: Is the fact that we are all connected. Brian, you're talking about it all the time through your work. It is a fact a provable, whether you come at it from a spiritual perspective, a religious perspective, quantum physics, organizational, we are connected. And when we really get a sense of that, not at the level of the mind, at the level of the heart, in in our being, when we feel it, our actions, interactions, thoughts, words, our service will be informed and infused and enlivened by this fact that we are, that we are one, we're all connected. That's what I would leave people with. It's a real experience. It's not a theory. It's not a philosophy. This is the real experience of who we are and why we're here.
0: That's so. That's that so good. It's tremendous. And 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 Brian, I love what you said there. And I said it in my book. People buy connection before they ever make a transaction. Yes. And and I I, I continue to be dumbfounded why that simple philosophy more people don't understand it. It's it's all about connection, and I love what you said there. Tell folks how they can connect with you and in, in the different social platforms and how they can get your books available out there.
1: Thank, thanks, Brian. I'm pretty active uh, on LinkedIn. You know, I stay busy with work, but I carve out an hour or two on the weekend. I usually uh, put an article or a little small post on LinkedIn weekly, so please reach out, connect with me there, and we can get into some dialogue. I have a website. Awareness Quotient Leadership, that's one word, awarenessquotientleadership.com. Uh, there's some information on both of my books. They're available on Amazon. But beyond that, I'd, I'd sure love to connect with you on LinkedIn and, and start a dialogue there.
0: Awarenessquotientleadership.com. So take the word awareness, take the word quotient, take the word leadership, put them all together. Awarenessquotientleadership.com. You connect with can connect with him on LinkedIn. At Brian, B R I A N, Cunningham, C U N N I N G H A M. Brian, man, what a powerful conversation. And I so appreciate you being a part of the Intentional Encourager podcast today. Thank you so very much. And thank you, Brian.